Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Prosperity by the Pint. This is a podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. Special episode this week, we have a very special guest, my 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 shorter, goofier brother, Brandon Carter, CFP is with us. At least I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> and the beer of the week is, it's from Firestone Walker Brewing Company. It's their 805. It is. Uh, it comes from Central Coast, California. It's an ale, 4.7%. Let's give it a try. We get to drink now? We get to drink All now. All right. He was really, really tempted to have some of the beer before the episode, and that's against the rules. This beer has a good story, too. I'm going to let Brandon share part of the story. Right. Cheers. Cheers. That is lovely. I like that. That is, that is, that is really good. good. They know how to make beer in California. It's crisp. So the story of this beer and how we actually got this one. And if you're here just for the personal finances, I'm sorry. We're sharing a funny, fantastic story on how we got this beer. So uh, we were in Wyoming hunting. And uh, I'm going to tell my portion and then you, you come in. Okay. And so we're in Wyoming hunting. And I, my dad and I dropped my brother and cousin off at a spot. And they were supposed to text us the next day when they're ready to be picked up. But they forgot their device that they use for texting. We have a, see, but there's no service there. So we had a, like a GPS texting device. a satellite device. phone yeah. kind of thing. And so they left that in the truck. So we kept going back and checking for them in case they you know, were wounded at the trailhead or whatever. And we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's on this road that we're on, there's a handful of cabins and we stopped and we talked to this nice lady and, uh, we, she was out in front of cabin five or whatever. So we thought, you know, she lived in cabin five and we left a note for them at the trailhead. Hey, there's nice people in cabin five. If you guys come down early, go see the late nice lady in cabin five. So they come down from the trail. Yeah, so when we went up, we got halfway, well, maybe three-quarters of the way up the mountain, and we realized we forgot the device, <laughs> and we weren't going back down. So we come out, we get the note, um, we go up to cabin five, and I'm dressed in, like, full camo. I haven't showered in a couple of days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got, like, ca- uh, face paint on my face and, you know, backpack the size of a human being on my back. And so I go up to their, <laughs> their door, and uh, they were super friendly, invited me right in and um, let me use their phone. By the way, it turns out it was not cab. That lady was a different person. I don't know what cabin <laughs> so, it was. So, <laughs> so we sent them to cabin five because we thought there was nice people there, and uh, we didn't know the people that were there. It turns out there was nice people at cabin five. <laughs> yes, they were very nice. Yeah, they, they um, let us use their phone. Anyway, we found our way back to – we actually hitchhiked, and the people in Wyoming are extremely friendly. Everybody – every truck that passed us offered us a ride. <laughs> so we got a we got a um, hitchhiked back to camp. And found out that my uncle was out looking for us. And so he happened to go by Cabin 5 later on. And they were like, oh, hey, we like your your nephews. Here's some beer and some food for them. And this was some of the beer that they had given them. So they gave they them took a, back to camp. Yeah, so. Some random strangers <laughs> that uh, helped uh, give <laughs> gave them a random bag of goodies. And this was the beer. And it is fantastic. It is very good. <laughs> it reminds me of a, like a Stella, but a little, a little bit, bit more, more flavorful. Flavor. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's an ale, but it's not hoppy. It's right. good. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I'd have Brandon on, and uh, I thought I'd have Brandon on, and I wanted to talk about um, just kind of fundamental business practices. Uh, Brandon has started several different businesses and has been a part of a, a really a, a great story of growth uh, of our, our business, which is Financial Strategies Group, and kind of the challenges that you come across. So I guess just start by kind of giving us to the, your backstory <clears throat> on getting into 
the business and, and some of your other adventures like, you know, your, your foray into real estate. Sure. Yeah. So um, I went to college and uh, at CMU and did the entrepreneurship program, which is a really cool program where they give you lots of different aspects of business um, from marketing to um, accounting to finance, you know, and um, everything in between. And so that was really cool. I always knew I wanted to be in business and my emphasis was in finance. I ended up doing, my dad talked me into doing an internship with him. And I still don't know to this day whether he planned this or not. Um, but the first couple of meetings that I sat in with him and his clients, his clients were, it was a very emotional situation, loss of loved ones. And they were just extremely grateful for the job that he had done to help their parents. And, and there was a long situation where the parents were going into a nursing home. Um, and so it was just a really cool experience to see how you can make a good living and help people at the same time. And basically from that moment on, I was decided I want to be part of the business and the family business. And when I started in 2008, full time. I, I think it was planned because the first couple <laughs> meetings I sat in were all, all emotional too. Like, first three meetings I sat in with dad, I think people cried and like that's happened like twice with me since in the 10 yeah. years since, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, apparently they're paid actors. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I started in 2008, and it was me, Dad, one full-time assistant, and one part-time assistant. So you got four bodies in the room. Four bodies, and um, and we had we just rented a smaller office. 2008, right? 2008. So, so this was right before yeah. the crash. Yeah. I mean, I started being involved in internships in 2006, um, but by the time I was there full-time, that was that was about what it was. And then from, from them today, flash forward, um, I think we're at 15 employees and seven advisors. And so it's been a, definitely a journey along the way. Yeah. Um, we've gone, and now we own our own, our own three different offices. Uh, two of them we own, one we still still rent. And we went, and went from being affiliated with a much larger entity to being registered directly with the SEC ourselves and went through those challenges, which is a, we could spend hours talking about yeah. that alone. But that doesn't really... Uh, encompass the, 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 the components of what we're trying to get through today is some of those challenges you have as a business owner is, and I remember early on, maybe it was your three or four years and you hired your first assistant. I did. Yeah. For, for, to help you and ended up having to fire him. That, yep. And so I guess. And Lovely like, experience. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and they were like your mom's age, right? I mean, just She's, about you know, a single yeah. mom, older, much older than I was. Um, at the time. And it was just a tough experience. I've learned a lot going through. I like to think that I had part of, to do with the growth that we've had. Certainly yeah. not uh, all of it, of course. Um, but there's a few things that kind of jump out. One of them is is getting the right people in the right places. And, and sometimes that means you have to let people go. Well, and that's a skill is, set in and of itself. It is, yeah. Which I we mean, don't have. No, I very, I very <laughs> much just liked that. That yeah. was, uh, <laughs> I only had to do it a couple times. So but. honorable mention to our, our lovely sister, Brittany Culver, yes. who has uh, built, built on our team over the years, positioned us for growth because our, our, our dad was a, uh, really good at what he was doing, which is financial advising, but he was horrible at hiring people. He, he got lucky a few times, but he was bad, bad, at, bad at that job. Yeah. And we aren't skilled for it either. So, you know, I would say he was worse at firing than he was at hiring. That might he just be has a big heart. <laughs> you know, you, you hire people and you, and you learn to really like them and love them and you want them to do well. And so it's hard to, to let them go. But well, and they could be fantastic at a different position. Right. And it's just having yeah, people. In sometimes the right it's role. the worst thing for them just to, to linger at something that, that it's not working out really well. Right. So. Well, and so, I mean, as, as we're going, you're going through this progress and goals and, and, and we're growing and, and you got to see it earlier than I did. Cause I started coming on in like 11, 12, 
2012. I mean, you saw the pits of the recession at the business and uh, some of the challenges of that. What are some things and stories and, and growth pains that stick out to you as, as you're looking back? Yeah, so um, I think one of the big turning points for us was when Dad did hand over the hiring and the firing to Brittany. So mm -hmm. that was definitely a learning point for us. Um, getting the right people in the right places, which is always a painful thing um, when you, you got to let people go or move people around. Um, and so that, that was definitely a learning experience. Um, I would say, um, you know, what we went through these last couple of years going independent and um, structuring new technologies, so that was also very... I guess that's a, I mean, that's a good lesson for the, the established business owner there where a lot of businesses, I think, that are at, at you know, have been, been around for a long time have maybe hit some walls and probably due in part to owners or original founders not giving up control. You, you, you know, you got to do what you're really good at and, and giving up control can lead to that next level. Absolutely. Yeah. I think giving up control, um, and, and recognizing where your weaknesses are and hiring people to those weaknesses. Um, I think, having good systems and building the foundation for your business early on so that as it grows, it, it can do that um, without less, with less growing pains. And yeah. so we've, we've been really intentional with our business to have the right technologies in the right places and the right people in the right places. So as we continue to grow, it's, it's more seamless in that, um, you know, our clients aren't affected by that. They're not knowing that we're growing fast and, and the struggles are less. Of course, you can never, never avoid them anytime you're growing. Uh, or not growing. Yeah, there's I mean, going to be struggles. Yeah, you, there's always going to be struggles in business. Well, and that's where I think, you know, you you probably would, you know, in addition to the technology and having the right people in the right place, is sound business practices is, is cash is king, right? Cash is a really good asset for businesses to hang on to and for you to hold on to in your personal finances. It's not necessarily an investment tool. It's a personal finance tool. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think... If, any, if you learned anything from 2008, if you were in business during that time, you learned that um, in order to survive, you either have to get lean, you have to have a lot of cash, or a combination of the two. And what we know from economic and, and market cycles and history is that history does repeat itself. And we went through a tough time in 2008, and we don't know when, and we don't know how tough it's going to be, but we do know there's another tough time coming. And so if you're in business, you, you always have to be conscious of that, and cash is one of the best ways to protect yourself from those tough times. Well, and not, I mean, I mean, a lot of times people think about cash and having that set aside just to cover expenses, but a lot of times those tough times are some of the best times to invest. Absolutely. I, I mean, yes. and, and to invest in growing your business. I mean, if you're a, a business that's doing well and you want to add an additional location, you know, real estate tends to be cheap when things hit a ball, right? I mean, and no, so absolutely. if you have cash aside, that's maybe a great time to expand. Maybe that's a great time to redouble your marketing efforts because your competitors are folding. Whatever it may be, cash is not just a tool for covering expenses. It's a cash for expansion. Absolutely. It's a tool and, for and, expansion. And in during, like you said, during the downtimes, there's um, the, the bang for your buck with cash is exceptional. Yeah, exactly. And the tough part is you don't know when it's coming. Well, so that's, that's part of being a long-term investor, right? Sure. Right. Like, so you can't, you can't time when you should have the cash, just like you can't time when you should be in and out of the market. You have to have the cash this year, even though it may be a dead asset for you this year and next year, it may be a dead asset. And the next five years, it might be a dead asset until it's not. Right. right. And so there's going to be times where, you know, the, the, the international portion of your portfolio is lagging. You can't be the person that says, I'm going to get in and out and in and out because you, timing, it's almost impossible. 
But you know, weathering the storm and being a long-term investor with your cash or your investments makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. We just have to recognize that there's good times and there's bad times. And during the good times, you have to store your nuts for the bad times, yeah. especially in business. I love that analogy because I've mentioned this before, but I'm, I, I'm, I think I should write a children's book called Savey the Squirrel. It's about <laughs> how he saves his nuts, right? And Savey the Squirrel is smart because he's saving his nuts for the winter. There you go. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I, need some, I need an artist, if anybody, uh, my listeners are fantastic at drawing like a, the squirrel. a, very, a very prudent squirrel. I, I'm, op- I'm looking for that. So. <laughs> So you've experimented with some other business avenues too. You've dabbled in some real estate, some rentals, some flips. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, those, those I would say were all learning experiences. Um, what I learned from them, for me personally, I think probably for a lot of people, is that uh, it divided my attention too much. My attention and my focus was better spent on business, what I do best, than it was doing these other things. So I've, I did two flips and I've had a couple rental properties and now I've, they're gone. I, I'm no longer doing them. I don't really have interest in doing them. Uh, I do have interest in, in business. And so if opportunities, you know, retractive opportunities present themselves, I'll certainly look at that. But I found the same with my clients. I find that if they got one or if they have one or two rental properties, it's a burden more than, more than an investment. If they've got 30, and they've got a person that they know, okay, if, if this breaks, I'm going to call them and they work for me and they're going to go fix it. It's a business and they can do, you can do really well. And I have clients that have it, that as well. So you're not necessarily, even though they weren't the greatest investments you've made, you got your, our, your return on investment from maybe the education on it, but... Well, we made money on them, but it just wasn't worth the time and effort and right. heartache. Well, yeah, that's, that, you got to factor that in, obviously, is you're not against it as an asset class like real estate can work. And it, it does work sure. for a lot of yeah. people, but it's a matter of when and who and how. Because and the right mental attitude about it. Right. Because it is, you know, you could kind of, I think a lot of people get into <clears throat> real estate thinking it's a passive investment. And in most situations, it's far from a passive investment. Yeah, I mean, you you can do it as a passive investment. You can buy real estate as a as in an ETF, right? But you might not get as good of a return as buying a house for fifty thousand dollars, putting twenty thousand into it, and flipping it for one hundred and fifty. But then that requires sweat equity, so it's either passive or active, and you might give up some return by 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 handing off those wheels. Sure. But you, you're also gaining your time, and your time is invaluable, particularly if you're a business owner. And I know for me, really, the biggest thing was that. Um, I don't do good multitasking. I'm not a great multitasker. And so um, going through my day working with my clients and doing different things, and then I have to take time out of the day to think about or work on issues with the real estate. It just wasn't working for me. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't what I wanted. So. so if you were to do it again and wanted to dip your, your toe into real estate as a you know, direct investment, would you hire somebody to do all of that for you? I, it would have to be a very attractive Situation. It would have to be, you know, like another 2008 in that yeah. period where it was really attractive. And um, I I don't know. I don't know exactly how I'd handle that. I certainly wouldn't do all the work myself. I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to find a system or, or um, a process, a process yeah. or you know, employees to, to handle it. Right. So one thing I haven't talked about a lot on this podcast, and I've, I've really wanted to, and I've debated on having different types of guests on, whether it's attorneys or accountants, is the fundamentals of starting a business. Because I ask people, I have people ask me a lot about starting a business and different ideas that they have, whether it's to, you know, start a car wash or, or whatever it may be, how they go about it. So I, I thought we'd just kind of, because we've, we've done several things together, is let's just talk through the steps of getting a business up and running and started, whether you're manufacturing widgets or whether you're 
you know, uh, selling real estate. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's going to depend on what type of business you're opening, but the first thing you want to do is have a business plan. Um, and I would always recommend taking your business plan to somebody who's already in the industry. Even if you have a geographically go to a different area or pay somebody, you talk to somebody who's already doing what you want to do is running that business. Um, there's also trade organizations or, um, coaching companies where you can get advice so that you have a solid, uh, game plan. And then once you get that down, it's, it's about setting up the right entity. So you need to talk to an accountant and an attorney to figure out whether you need an LLC, a sole proprietorship, a yeah. corporation. So, I mean, that, that, that LLC seems to be the, the go-to. Sure. Now, you can file an LLC with the state without an attorney. Would you I, – I, can you talk about the pro – I mean, you're going to save a couple hundred bucks by doing that. Would you just advise a person just to, just to suck it up and pay the attorney to file the LLC? Absolutely. I've done several myself. I've always used an attorney. So technically, you need an operating agreement. Um, you need there's there's I's that need dotted and T's that needs need crossed. And uh, you don't know what you don't know. So until you get your specific business in front of you, a lot of times an attorney will will discuss certain pieces of liability you may not have thought of um, in that cert, that type of business and extra documents that need drawn. Um, you also, from a tax standpoint, there may be benefits with the type of business that you're doing to have it structured because an LLC can be structured a few different ways. Well, an LLC, yeah, I guess, you know, an so LLC is just stands for limited liability company, and it basically just creates a company that uh, that is separate from you. It separates the assets to, to a certain degree to cover you from liability, right? Your, your widget causes somebody to trip and fall and they sue the company at least they can't get your house out of it as long as things are set up properly right, right. yep and so then you take the LLC. so an llc is simply a, a, a means of protecting you from liability you then have to decide how it's going to be taxed and uh, you know from it, whether it's going to be taxed as a partnership or an s corp or however that's going to be structured and that's where you actually need more advice i would argue because it's not about where you are today. The income and how it's being taxed doesn't matter nearly as much today when you're starting up from ground one. But when you grow your business and it becomes successful, it's harder to change stuff. Yeah, I think you, you need to, I mean, you don't know how fast your business is going to grow or how well it's going to do, uh, but you need to think about those things going forward and, and how much revenue you're going to have and um, you know what the inflows and outflows are going to look like, and it may make sense to structure your business differently from a tax tax standpoint based on that. So yeah, I mean it's it's it gets more complicated certainly when you get into the tax side of things. Yeah. Um, and that's you know we rely on our account. We, no, we, I don't know how many tax classes both of us have taken combined yeah. a lot, but we still rely on our accountant. Uh, when it comes time to open a business or do something different, we always are talking to them. I tell clients that all the time. It's like, I, I'm qualified enough to do my own tax return, but I won't do it. I mean, why? It, it, you know, for a personal tax return, it's pretty inexpensive to get it done, even by a CPA, right? Uh, I mean, it's not in that In the grand much. scheme of things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. And you're going to spend hours and hours doing it. And so why? I mean, even if you're qualified to do it. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, and if... If you don't do taxes every day, just like if you don't do investments every day, there's certain things you're going to miss when you yeah. do, even if you're even if you're very knowledgeable. Yeah, I mean it's almost like we're a sales pitch for accountants right now, which <laughs> uh, we're not. But you know, I think that's those are all practical pieces of information. I, one thing I wanted to kind of talk to people because I have a lot of entrepreneurial-minded people that listen is saving for retirement, particularly, can be difficult or, or challenging when you're 
a business owner, right? Absolutely. Especially smaller business owners that are, you know, sub 50 employees. I mean, let's, you know, let's chat about that for a minute. Because to me, the biggest thing for a business owner is making sure that they have sufficient liquid assets and then making sure even that their retirement assets can be used for opportunities if those come arise. Sure. Yeah. So um, I completely agree with that. I think that um, the, you know, when you're looking at a business and as it gets more successful, the lot of business owner, the tendency is to reinvest back into the business. That's what's built your wealth. That's what you want to keep building your wealth. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there's all sorts of things that are outside of our control. Um, you have an employee that does something wrong and you get sued and the company goes under. Um, there's could be um, regulatory changes, whatever it may be. Your, regulatory your one, I think, speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. Right? I mean, like. Or if you look at the, a lot of suppliers for like General Motors being in the area that we're in. Yeah. They, they really didn't have much. You know, there's nothing much they could have done to keep their right. businesses intact. It just was the economy well, yeah, I mean, what happened. GM goes bankrupt and 97% of your sales are the knobs on the radio switch in GM's vehicles, right? right? You're screwed. Uh, and, and so my, my point with that is that um, it is wise as you start making money in your business to start s- siphoning off or pulling off some of that to put in your own personal name yeah. so that you have assets so that if business goes awry for whatever reason or you start to struggle or whatever happens, now you have something for your future. You have something for your retirement, for your kids, uh, whatever it may be. It's just a wise thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do for people right. who are passionate about well, their business. Yeah, that, that, that's the diff- Yeah, because I think there's a sense of control uh, of how the money's yes. being spent, right? So if you take you know, a, a person that's owned a business for 30 years and they've built it from nothing to something successful that's provided for their family and their employees' families, to then tell them we should take X percentage of your income and instead of putting that towards growth and development, which we're not saying you should stop doing that, we should put that into something else, insulating sure. yourself. Now you're just investing in, you might be investing in other companies and that can be a hard thing to swallow. And my thing with that is, is you, when you own a business, what you own is a micro cap company, Right. And, and so you have, when well, we've talked about this a lot before on the podcast, micro cap companies, small cap companies, medium cap companies, large cap companies. If you own a business that's less than eh, $300 million in value, it's a micro, micro cap You're company. Yeah. And so if 80, 90% of your assets are in a micro cap company, face of it says that's really high risk. Right. right. Would you get the illusion of, of lower risk because you, you have some control over it? Right. Um, which is true. You know, that's a lot of people that have successful businesses, you know, they, they got there because they take control and they do it and they, yeah. you know, they don't want to release that control. But well, and I'd argue one of the difficult things with it is if you own a business, the harder you work generally, the more successful you're going to be. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you put in the hours and in most things in life, the harder you work, you're going to be better at. So whether it's, you know, if you're a football player, you know, you, you're going to be better off by going and putting in the offseason work in the gym or on the pavement than you are by not. Right. And when you start investing outside of your business, whether it's just buying, you know, the market or or passive real estate or whatever it may be, odds are you need to work less hard on it. Right. Like if you work super hard on researching stocks you're probably not going to do any better than the guy that sits on his couch and buys S&P 500 index fund. Statistically speaking. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, yeah. you're going to do significantly worse, statistically Very speaking. Very likely, yes. So not only are you handing off the control, you're handing off a workload, and that seems counterintuitive. Right. Right? Right. You know, so that can be, that can be challenging. 
So the beer, you haven't drank nearly as much of it as I have. Well, that's pretty typical. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I, I love having guests because I actually get to drink the beer when it's just me. I don't. But uh, you have the uh, privilege of being the you first. You force your listeners to listen to just you. I do. I do. <laughs> often, really. Often. Too often. I should have guests more often. So, But you have the privilege of being the first person at my new setup here. All we right. have a new table and nice. chairs. Nice. It's, it's a high top, kind of like a bar high top yeah. right which you know goes with it it's not prosperity by the milk glass but it's prosperity by the pie but uh thanks for having thanks for coming on brandon this was fun yeah. well, i'm sure thanks we'll do it again yeah. um episode 44 prosperity by the pie don't forget to follow us youtube spotify facebook wherever you are that's where we are yeah. cheers thanks guys